stopped there to get to get food. We didn't even talk about this. I stopped there. Yeah. I get here and your kids are like, we went to Chick-fil-A we too. Chick-fil-A, yeah. <laughs> so yes, people. There are now four Chick-fil-A's in Evansville, Indiana. Right. Two enclosed. Right. The west side is an enclosed one on the campus of USI. Yeah. The east side has an enclosed one inside of the mall. Yeah. And then we have the freestanding. And I think it's going to decrease the massive amounts of traffic at the east side Chick-fil-A. Oh, yeah. But now there's a west side Chick-fil-A. Yeah. Um, I, the question, though, that we have in the house, though, is there a playground? No. There isn't. It's affirmed. I didn't know that. Uh, at the west side? Chick-fil-A? Yeah, I didn't know yeah, if there was a none. playground no. inside. Oh, that's a, that's oh, a wait, big bummer. Oh, wait, inside. That's a good question. Yeah, I inside. I don't think so, though, but, man, that would make the east side one the, still the place to go for parents. Yes. Because they Especially do that thing on Mondays. It's like a deal for parents, right? They do, like, a family. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and you, uh, I think you get, like, I think it's the kids eat for free? Don't remember. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while since I've we have y'all. Do y'all do the the Cal Day? Uh, we have. We you used to go house? on uh, Monday nights. You know that's funny though. You you try these things and you, and you forget about it, and then like you find yourself five years later talking about this and going like, yeah, when did we stop that? Why did we stop that? <laughs> Why did we stop doing Cal? <laughs> Why did we stop like in our adult lives dressing up like cows <laughs> to get free food? <laughs> right. I mean, what else would you do? So. So that's exciting. That I is mean, exciting. You know, I mean, I, my Chick Fil A. We have a Starbucks. In, we've had a Starbucks now, and a Chick Fil A, and a Panera. There's like no reason to go inside. That's true. Uh, before pandemic, I mean, my Chick Fil A consumption was maybe twice a week. I would eat a Chick Fil A, mm. and um, I probably haven't eaten a Chick Fil A in three months or four. Yeah, sure. So this is you know a big deal today. Uh, and so uh, we were joking about how since we both got our Chick-fil-A cups that we were uh, was sponsored, but we are, in fact, not sponsored by Chick-fil-A. Um, if there's one restaurant that has done really, really well during COVID, Chick-fil-A would be yeah. that. that they have, they're knocking out of the ballpark, yeah. and there's no one else that is really as organized as they are. I mean, they have the curbside. They have uh, drivers that will then take food to you, right? right. I guess for, like, right. the GoDash people, or the, the not GoDash, but the DoorDash, DoorDash right. yeah. yeah. Um, and then, uh, of course, they have, like, two, like, drive through lines yep. at both of them. Wow. And they get a lot of people fed, and no one ever walks into the actual You restaurant. would think that Chick-fil-A were, was run by Germans with the efficiency that they are operating with, you know? It's like, uh... Not, like, Atla- not some restaurant from Atlanta. That's right. You know, these people <laughs> can get it. They're polite, but, man, they are efficient. They are very like, efficient. Uh, Wild stuff. So, so yeah, that's the biggest news in Evansville right now. Pretty much. Uh, and man, the people are liking it. I, yeah. I, I figured there would be a lot of people, and so uh, we put in the order. Another big news for Evansville, which we're going to be talking about, is sports. I mean, ever <clears> since <throat> I moved to Evansville in 2012, uh, I kind of caught on pretty quickly that the, the the biggest or the most popular sports team in town is the Cardinals uh, from St. Louis. That was my yeah. observation. And obviously. You know, Evansville is in Indiana, so you would assume maybe the Pacers or the Colts. Mm-hmm. And I think they are very popular. Pacers are popular here, yeah. But the I don't Colts think they're are. as popular as the Cardinals. Yeah, IU is pretty popular as a college team. Sure. Um, but, you know, and the Cardinals are interesting because back in Southern Illinois, where I'm from, uh, most everybody's a Cardinal fan. Yeah. I mean, if you're anything baseball, uh, and it's always hilarious when anybody thinks, oh, you're from Illinois, so you must be Cubs. You know, a Cubs fan. Yeah. It's like, no, I'd never, I'd never seen one. Right. Uh, they, they're not there. And uh, so regional, 
regional taste. But I mean, when I was a kid, you know, Ozzy Smith era. Yeah. Uh, I carried around the St. Louis Cardinals in my pocket, man. Yeah. Baseball cards. They got washed and everything, just like. Now, how old were you when Mark McGuire hit all his home runs? I was. Um, so I was late high school. It was a big deal. That was '98. Okay. Yeah, I was yeah. a big deal. I graduated in '98. So they did so. a 30 for 30 on ESPN mm-hmm. on Mike McGuire, Mark McGuire, and Sammy Sosa hitting those. Home runs. It was very good. Great time. But again, I, I'm from I'm from Tennessee. Now there were some Cardinals fans in Tennessee, but the Braves are a big deal in the South. Sure. Uh, if you are if you grew up in you know Kentucky, Tennessee, any of that area, you were a Braves fan, even though I wasn't a big baseball fan. And so the Cardinals really were on our radar, even though we were not that far from St. Louis. Yeah. Uh, so I'm guessing in this particular area in Southern Illinois, that year, that summer, when oh, Squire was hitting all those home I mean, it was must-see TV, right? I would really say... must-hear radio for a lot of people. Yeah. That anybody who even, you know, growing up the last 20 years, that um, baseball has been a fundamentally different thing. Uh, so much suspicion uh, ever since the allegations and the, what they found out about those guys and, you know, taking testosterone oh, treatments yeah. sure. and all that. And then you start to question so many players. Kind of got questioned were they really as great as, you know... Uh, there's McGuire and Sosa, and then the Barry Bonds uh, issue right. afterwards. Oh, yeah. and, but at the time, I mean, sure. it was the great American yeah. pastime. And it, it had lost. I mean, baseball's kind of a slower game, and so sure. it had lost some luster. Um, but then when it was almost like this is what we wanted when Mark McGuire right. and Sammy Sosa it's like, look, we want to see people hit home runs. It, it was great. You could catch highlights. You didn't just have to watch the games. You could see, right. catch the highlights. Be like, you know, what numbers are they? You didn't have to know hardly anything right. to know. Okay, he has more home runs than him, but yeah. somebody's going to end up with more. So let's let's see what happens. It was a great time. When baseball is good, baseball is really good. Mm-hmm. You know, when it's playoff season, and you know, when I was a. Uh, my, uh, I used to grow up going to, this doesn't sound weird because I, I just mentioned growing up in Tennessee, but uh, I grew up, my, I had grandparents who lived in Washington, D.C., and we mm-hmm. used to go up there. This was before the Nationals were in Washington. We would go up to Baltimore and go to Baltimore Orioles games. So I grew up watching oh, cool. Kyle Ripken Jr. Play. Oh, yeah. I went to a game every summer. Yeah, no. We went up to Camden Yards, and great. I loved it. And it was still uh, great memories going. I'm, and I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm an Orioles fan, but, but, uh, but through that, I got to see a lot of Red Sox games because I had an aunt who was from Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. They were big Red Sox fans, so we would always yeah. get tickets to the Orioles Red Sox. That's cool. And so I remember watching Nomar Garcia Parra. I saw Pedro Martinez pitch. Mm-hmm. I saw Mo Vaughn play. Uh, so I've seen all these red, great Red Sox. So I became a Red Sox fan by mm-hmm. watching these games. And when the Red Sox won the World Series for the first time in like 80-plus years, that was so great. Yeah. Every night, you know, it was like turning the TV on, and yeah. every pitch was like, you know, you're biting your teeth. And uh, that was such a fun time. And when baseball is really good, it is fun to watch. Right. And in 98, when McGuire and Sammy were hitting those home runs, it was fun to watch. Yep. And, uh, and you, we're going to talk a, a little bit about sports and and I, I really want to talk about the the important sports are in America. A lot of people have been talking about recently because I listen to a lot of sports radio and um, and um, I don't really listen to a lot of music in the car. I listen to a little bit of NPR, but they're talking about the same thing over and over again. Mm-hmm. So I'm always uh, always on listening about sports and, and and they keep talking about the importance of sports to Americans. And they keep on bringing up the moment of after 9/11. I don't know if you remember, but uh, President President Bush. Throughout that pitch yeah. in the playoffs, I mean, it was yeah. a World Series, the playoffs. 
uh, at the Yankees game. Yep. And um, that was such a great moment that sports yep. kind of brought America back together. And yep. we're in this weird, weird point where, you know, we need a lot of unity. And then what we have this COVID thing. And, like, there's a, a real – you can tell that people need – Baseball is, or sports is an escape, right? But it's also a unifier. People like to talk about sports. And um, without there being any sports on, there's just really very little to talk about. Right. You know, men getting together at a barbecue for Bullshit Live. They're not talking about the, the Cardinals and the Cubs. They're talking about Black Lives Matter. They're talking about COVID. They're talking about politics, right. which doesn't necessarily bring unity, Nobody does Nobody was looking to talk more about politics, and right. that's one of the few things that um, has continued to escalate. I mean, yeah. the, uh, politics continue, has continued to grow. Um, uh, had a, a friend of mine just this week say, I really wish that talking about masks wasn't political. Right. It would be nice. It seems like mm-hmm. it's important that we have certain things that we separate and are able to go, this is not about politics. Right, right. Um, but a lot of things are now. But if you can, like, for a moment, you know, talk about LeBron James and the Lakers or mm-hmm. talk about the NBA or talk about the Cardinals and talk right. about the Yankees and the Red Sox, talk about football coming back and getting ready for the – for the preseason and yep. the beginning of the season. I'm a big college football fan going to the University of Tennessee. And, you know, you're kind of getting ready for the season and planning on what weekends you're going to go down there and watch football games and yep. talking to your friends at, at church yep. about the Colts or whatever. There is a sense where that, and, and, and that anticipation is a real unifier. And, and I've heard a lot, and I just really disagree with this. I've heard, well, sports really aren't important. And I think people who say that obviously don't watch sports or they just don't understand certain parts of our country where sports really do matter. Now, if you live in L.A., I can see why sports don't matter. You've got the beach. Yep. You've got a lot of places to go to, a lot of entertainment, a lot of distractions yep. that are that you can be a part of. If you live in, you know, on the East Coast where there's also access to a lot of other things to do. I can understand why sports aren't important. But for people in Southern Illinois, yep. for people in Evansville, for people in a lot of the parts of the Midwest, uh, in, the, in the Midwest and the South, sports are so important to yep. communities. And I think this is an important thing to talk about is how can sports actually come back? Mm-hmm. Should they come back? And, um, yeah. So that's what we're going to talk a lot about. Yeah, so this is... Um... Is this Wall Street Journal? I believe so, yeah. Uh, The Great Unknown of a Restart Plan by Ben Cohen and Jared Diamond. So uh, we're looking at here in late July, both the NBA and MLB are uh, going to restart. And a part of... uh, End of this month, I believe, yeah. A part of something here that I think is really interesting, it should be interesting to everybody, is that um, these are two different approaches that you're about to hear about. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, we want people to be able to compete against each other, which means physical proximity to some degree. What is the smartest way to do that? <clears throat> which I think is a great question, given sure. that everybody's trying to live now. We've we've been in this for a while. And what I am seeing, uh, as far as the way people are dealing with uh, pandemic, social distancing, and this and that, a lot of people are just kind of getting tired of it mm-hmm. and sort of doing what they want to do. And... 
you can't lose your will and stuff like this. You still got to be wise. Sure. Um, yes, all along we've, we've talked about you got to live your life. Um, so I, that part of it, I, I look forward to getting into. Um, one of the funny things, like a funny place to start, as far as uh, basketball. So they have all these recommendations for these yeah. guys. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. You know, we see how you guys behave, but let <laughs> us give you some recommendations about what to do and what not to do. So they have rules in the NBA for this time period. Uh, against spitting mm-hmm. and high fiving. All mm-hmm. right, all right, and I, I, I get that. I mean, um, I don't. That's gonna know, be hard not to do. Baseball is though. known for spitting. I, I don't know if I've seen a whole lot of spitting in the NBA. Especially if you're way out in left field. There's nobody around you, right? Yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. You give out a little spit. I'm yeah. pretty sure that's not gonna affect anybody. Yeah, I mean, and when I was, you know, a kid and, and a teenager, all the baseball players, it seemed like at least a good amount of them were. Uh, still chewing tobacco. I think a lot of them have gotten away from it. So, you know, in those cases, you have to spit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I think there are probably very few that are doing that uh, actively these days. Uh, so they have recommendations against touching mouth guards. You know, don't do that, which I don't, I would guess that a lot of guys are not looking to get another guy's mouth guard uh, in general. And, and this is really football pers- that usually wears right, mouth guards. There are a few basketball players that wear yeah, mouth but very, but very few. Right. Yeah. Um, and even, so they, they throwing the ball around the horn means you just get like passing drills in and, and just like loose passing drills where you, and they're like, you know, you might want to not want to do that. Like um, around the horn. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which is. You're getting to the point to where you go, hey, uh, you're gonna pass the ball. Yeah, a you lot have to in a game. That's like if the shortstop <laughs> gets a ground ball, he has to throw it to first to get the out. There I, is I mean, no. And it's hilarious to think about in basketball because it's just like, okay, if you're not passing, yeah, all they're gonna do is double team the guy that has the ball, and then it's over. Yeah, you know, like you have yeah. to pass. You have to. A lot of teams are built around passing. Yeah. Um. So, but this brings to light what is the big question about this, which is. Okay, do we even think you can keep the virus from really spreading right. in this uh, atmosphere? Um, and, and then the question that they're not answering, which is, when do you shut down? So yeah. how, how would that What's the look? threshold? Right. How many people, how many players or, or staff or coaches, whatever you want to say, get it? How many of the number, you know, that it, you reach a threshold where you have, or does a team get pulled Right. right now, the MLS, Major League Soccer in the United States, they started like a pre-tournament before they go back to their season. And a few teams, I believe Nashville, which I think is a, this is their like first year as a team, and Dallas has pulled their team from the tournament because they've had a few Man. players, I believe, or, or, or kind of support staff um, or coaches who got the virus. Right. And so they decided to pull out of this pre-tournament. That doesn't mean they're actually not going to play in the other, other league, but for the pre-tournament thing they're pulling out so right. it's already happened the mls is is interesting because um well it's, it's interesting and, and you may not know this but because uh, you don't watch espn as much as i do but there's other in other countries they've already they had started playing like team sports already korea south korea had already been starting playing baseball mm-hmm. in the fall and I'm sorry, in the spring. Uh-huh. In the late spring, um, they started playing sports. And it's funny is ESPN bought the rights oh, to really? the league so they can actually have something to show. Sure, yeah. So they'll show like Korean baseball at like nine in the morning. That's cool. And so you so the MLS has already seen another country, Korea, who has been playing baseball 
And so in a sense, they can somewhat copy some of their protocols. And from what I know, I mean, because ESPN's been showing these games, so they at least would talk about it if it was a big issue. I don't think there's been a huge outbreak Good. amongst Korean players. now, And also, the, uh, the European soccer leagues have already started soccer games before the MLS started. Yeah. So you have these other countries who've already started outside team sports... And so far, there hasn't been a huge, huge breakout. Uh, and soccer, I mean, you're talking about one ball. I realize they're not using their hands, but it's, right. it's hitting their faces. It's yeah. getting the, the, the players sweat and saliva type stuff on it. So, um, so it's not like the game is totally different there than it would be here. So you have baseball and soccer already even playing in other countries, and we are now starting those two sports. So it seems like... At least the NBA and the MLS, uh, at least the MLS and the MLB has something to go off of. They're not just throwing this out in the dark, right? Um, so, so here are the plans, uh, and you you will probably know more details. But um, I found this <clears throat> pretty fascinating that these are two di- pretty different approaches to how to handle this. That's the so, different. Uh, so the NBA is sequestering not just the players. Right, but you got you got the whole apparatus of the people that support the players, right? So you got trainers and yep. people who would work uh, to support the teams, yep. anybody who helps them travel, who provides food, and and they're all just in Florida at a Walt Disney Resort, right? And they're calling it the bubble. And 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 yeah. are they going to be there for this whole season? So the way that it's going to work <laughs> is um, they are, and they're not bringing all the teams. They're bringing I think right, twenty two teams. Is that something? Yeah, <laughs> so, so they're going to bring like twenty two teams. And they're, what they're going to do is they're going to have, like, I think, I can't remember the exact number. I think it's less than 10 regular season games for some wow. of these other teams to basically have a chance to make the playoffs, okay. I think. And then they have, like, some other way that some of these teams that are kind of lower, who are trying to get in the playoffs, can maybe get in the playoffs. Then they're going to have the playoffs, like the typical seven-game series playoffs with the 16 teams. I think that's the plan. But I heard this recently. I believe at the end of August, family members will be allowed to enter oh, the bubble. Goodness! So players will be away from their family up to two months. Okay. Um, and so families will now be instituted into the bubble. But I think the way they've kind of changed some of their things, because you have family members with kids at Walt Disney World. The park is actually going to be open. Right. It's open re- I don't know if it's open now, but it will be open soon. That parents are going to take the kids to Disney World. I mean, they're going to be down there. So they've had to change some rules about... Because I think at one point they weren't going to let players or family members leave the bubble to go to the park. But now they're... I guess you can... You could go to the park, but when you come back, you have to quarantine for a certain amount of time before you're allowed to kind of interact with the players. So... There, there's a lot of different moving parts to this. Yeah. Um, now, I think that what the NBA is doing is probably uh, a lot more. Um, I think they're. I think it, I feel like it's actually realistic and possibly able to work. Now, with the baseball, they are playing at their actual home fields. Right. So, yeah. Um, and so the last more thing, travel. The last thing on what the NBA is doing is they are testing. Uh, 
every day. Hmm. Uh, they're they're gonna. I'm sure it's temperature. Uh, I, I don't know if they will do an actual COVID test every day. I mean, I'm sure they're gonna check the temperature, but but they are gonna test every day. Um, so yeah, like you said, Major League Baseball is playing games in stadiums across the country. And I mean, one thing about this is all of these NBA teams. I'm sure, other than uh, who, so they're not. I guess they're not playing at any teams. Uh, they're playing at, at, on the on the ground. They're playing on the property, the Disney property. Okay, so so nobody at home. So they'll home be so they'll be in hotels or resorts. Yeah, and uh, yeah. Okay, and and so I guess no team won in NBA, but I mean it's a the team. The interest for the teams is to have people coming to their stadiums, which they can't do. Right, but. Uh, to have some activity at your stadium is better than nothing, and so MLB is spreading the wealth around, uh, playing games in stadiums across. But the country. there will be no fans, right? No fans, and planning to test every other day, right? Uh, and says that they're trusting players, coaches, and umpires to make responsible choices away from the workplace. It's basically just saying like, "Hey guys, do your best not to get COVID." Yeah, and they're only play- they're playing sixty games, but you're gonna have a lot of travel. You mm-hmm. know, and, and if you don't know this with baseball. Either you play a three or four game series at a particular place, right? right? Yeah. So you're going to be there for multiple days. So the travel is a bit different than it is for like an NBA or NFL uh, or another sports because you're there for an extended amount of time. Then you yeah. go on to the you know back home or to another destination to play your game. So um, it'll be you know uh, I know that um, NASCAR has been rush, r- running since I believe May. They were the first sport back. Golf has been going on. They, yeah. they have golf tournaments yeah. every weekend. And they've had some issues, but um, they, uh, I think, have continued on this path that they're going to have tournaments uh, every every weekend, I guess, based off the schedule they have laid out. Um, and so the big, the big test, though, is football, which is the biggest sport in the United States. It makes the most money. Right. It's right. the most popular sport in the United States. And is that going to happen... And is that going to happen according to plan? Like, are yeah. they going to start in the fall and end with the Super Bowl in February? Right. Uh, and there's so many, um, there's so many, this is one of the things that, I, again, I've, I've kind of criticized with this idea, well, sports don't really matter, for, football doesn't matter. I understand that on the surface, sure, playing a sport is a game. Yeah. It's an entertainment, I get that. But the problem is, is I think people are not understanding that there's so many other industries yes. that you that that are connected it's like it's like the the great whale and the fish that kind of yeah. swim with it right that's what the football is it, you can say the nfl is that way and you can say college football is that way. Mm-hmm. i went to the university of tennessee knoxville and restaurants hotels yeah. and other businesses make most of their money on saturdays in the fall yeah um, and, and I get that, like, well, you know, college students playing football, that's not really that important. You know, you're, you're right in a sense if they're just playing this game, but there's so many other groups of people that get their livelihood from those kids playing that game that it's not so simple just to say it that way. Yeah. It's not, it's more complicated than that. And, and I think the, the, the attempt to do it and play it, I think is worth the attempt. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, I'm that's someone who likes sports and will probably consume the sports, um, but I believe it's worth it. And I think the country and the people, a lot of people who do consume sports, and Americans consume a lot of sports. I mean, it's the NFL Super Bowl is the biggest TV event 
in the country, right? right. So therefore, right. sports is the biggest entertainment in the country. Therefore, like to not have it is a huge issue. Right. Um, and I think, I think it's worth attempting for not just for the sake of owners making money. I think that's I've heard that a lot. Well, you know, these billionaires, you know, arguing about making more money and these athletes and things like well. They have a lot of money. They don't. They don't really need to play for their money. But there's other people involved, and I think people, they need the sports. They need to watch it. They need to have that camaraderie they have with other people. Um, and I think it's important. And I think it's worth attempting to do if they can. So sports are enduring. I mean, um, I think that the reason we are drawn to sports is that they are uh, like art in motion. They're yeah. a they're a, a sample of what life is and can be Struggle. A, a, yeah. a human being at peak ability, uh, throwing a ball as hard as he can, yep. um, you know, making catches that yep. look impossible yep. to the average person. And it, it, is, uh, it, it, it does give you a little bit of uh, life and excitement. Um, stories, I mean, the reason, what we were talking about early on, the reason... Um, that the Martin McGuire Sammy Sosa uh, challenge was such a big deal is that it, it became a story. Yeah. It became uh, a big question: who would come out on top, and how would the story end? Right. Like so many other things, and and we we know the world through stories. We're looking for stories. Right. Absolutely. And, and so uh, having this opportunity, yeah, I mean, what is the story that we're all waiting on in football this year? Can Tom Brady move? Right. And get a new program behind yeah. him, no Bill Belichick, yeah. at, at his age, and he's uh, he he's is late thirties, right? No, is he, how old he's is in he? his forties. He's forty-two. I believe he's either forty-two or forty-three. Yeah, you know, and he wants to play till he's forty-five. So, and that's yeah. that's old, yeah. certainly. Oh yeah, for a, very much so. uh, for an NFL quarterback, and and you know he's taking his own steps. Uh, these guys, they have him bulk up a lot. They do a lot of weight training, and he's actually kind of refused that to some degree, done a lot more um, sort of stretching, and uh, he's purposefully been less bulky because yeah. the the idea is that, well, uh, if my body cannot be so stiff, yeah. uh, then maybe I can take some of these hits and not – because, you know, football. Football is a very dangerous sport. Yeah. Somebody can be injured in yeah, a split second, any play. Absolutely. And so that's – you know, and, and now we have this um, kind of corollary that – Cam Newton is the new Patriot, and yeah. everybody is like, okay, is Bill Belichick going to get yeah. him into yeah. fighting form yeah. so that this guy is the superstar of the NFL? That's right. And he's been near it, uh, but not quite there. And and so it's great. These these storylines are great. I look yeah. forward to seeing yeah. what that, you know, uh, what that carries and what that how that turns out uh, this year. And so these storylines are exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, the at the end of the day, uh, the tough thing is we don't know exactly how uh, how to handle what are going to be the eventualities in this. You're dealing with a disease that uh, you have a two-week period where you are uh, able to spread it, and you may not know. You may not have any symptoms. Uh, yeah. some, uh, some people, what I understand, could, could not have any symptoms the whole time that they have it. Um, and so That's why taking temperatures, <clears throat> I understand why they do it, but... Right. It doesn't really actually give you any indication, right? Necessarily, necessarily it, it could, um, and so that's that's tough. And there's not a lot of clear uh, lines about how they would uh, sequester and slow down. But you know what? Here's the thing: um, 
health is a question for every team every year. Right. Uh, there have certainly been teams who have lost uh, because yeah. their team wasn't of healthy in yeah. playoff time. That's right. I mean, that's just the way that – and, and so exactly that part that of it works. is raised dramatically it is. higher it is. Uh, this season, and uh, we'll just see how it turns out uh, in that regard. And, and, I, and I don't know – you know, this is a something – you know, uh, I, and I think this is – and I get it. I understand, but – I understand that these leagues are put in a weird position because I know ideally they would like to. Obviously, they this is what they do. They're a sports league. They they want to play the games for fans. To it's a business to make money. Yes, right? There is a there is a uh, there's a profit aspect to, the, to sports, but there's also like a citywide community aspect to a sport. Yeah. Um, and it's you know it's good like uh, as you were talking about people like sports because it is somewhat of a. <clears throat> presents kind of life you have struggle you have to overcome obstacles uh and you kind of have sometimes have to get some some breaks go your way like that's opportunistic there's a lot of aspects mm-hmm. to life that are in sports um and um and people kind of it, it caught into this they feel a part of it they feel like this is my team you know, you'll hear people who are sports fans say we not they or, or right. Right, they say right, right, we. Right. Yeah, because it's their team. It's yeah. their team. So there's an identity aspect connected uh, to sports. And we can argue if that's a good thing or a bad thing uh, later, but that's how people are. That's how they feel. And I think um, there's so many things that come out of sports that I, I think people, I think I think the sports league, I think there's a responsibility on them to try to make this work, just try to make it work. And the problem, though, that they have, is there's there's a fear that they'll get sued. That's a huge fear. I get it. Yep. Um, and there's also a, a complete. Um, there's not enough information and understanding on the threshold. You know, yep. when are you gonna pull the plug? Yep. And uh, because here's the deal, you're not going to be to a point where you can say with a hundred percent of surety. That we're all safe, everyone's safe, um, no one's going to get it, uh, the goal is zero. Like, that shouldn't be the goal. It can't be the goal. And I, But I don't know if that's what's happening in the conversations. I don't know if, you know, we're, we haven't even talked about college sports, which is a bigger issue because you talk about players that aren't even paid. Right. They have scholarships, right. which for, for some of these, and if you're someone who has student debt, I mean, a scholarship would be a lot of money to you, but... They aren't paid, but yet the sport, the colleges are asking them to play. Right. And that creates a different issue yep, altogether. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, but, um, you know, uh, and so that's, that's, an, that's an issue, and schools could potentially be sued right. by parents if their kid gets it. But I think too often I'm hearing, though, uh, this idea, and it's not actually said straight out, but I just kind of get this idea that, if we can't be sure, completely sure that no one will get it, then we shouldn't have the sport. And I'm like, you're, that you might as well cancel everything because you're never going to be there. Yeah, that's right? true. You're never going to be there. Well, you should go into college sports um, because there is a whole uh, you know, colleges in general uh, have the funds to do a lot more things, but unfortunately, since now they don't have the funds. There are some things that are changing, right? Uh, and so bring us up to speed on what those things. So are. I don't know if you've heard, but the Ivy League, which let me explain this because I had explained it to my very brilliant wife what the Ivy League was. I said Ivy League, and then I talked about Stanford, and she assumed they were part of the the Ivy League I because didn't know Stanford wasn't part of the yeah because they're they're an elite school. And Ivy League 
is not just the a definition of elite school. Ivy League is like a conference. It's uh-huh. a it's a group of colleges uh, oh, in the Northeast. That's a conference, just like the Big Ten is a conference. Just like the Big Ten. Hmm, okay. And Ivy League are the predominantly first colleges in, in the United States. So you've got Harvard, Yale, Princeton, Cornell, Columbia, Dartmouth, uh, I believe. Brown maybe in there. Pennsylvania is in there. Um, what are some other ones? Did I mention most of them? I think so. Most what conference them? is Stanford in? So Stanford is actually in the Pac-12, which includes oh. uh, California, Berkeley, USC, Oregon, Oregon State, okay. Washington, Colorado. So even though Stanford is an elite school, we would say it's an elite school, it's a part of a conference with some state schools, sure. which is actually not uncommon. Like Vanderbilt is in the Southeastern Conference, yeah. and they're actually a private elite school. Sure. Duke University in North Carolina is a part of the Atlantic Coast Conference, and it's an elite school, private school, but it's part of some big. Sure. So that's not it's uncommon. Regional, yeah. It's not uncommon. Okay. We're, and so, um, so anyway, Ivy League is a group of colleges, and they're all in the Northeast. Uh-huh. And the, the and again, if you know much about Harvard and Princeton and these schools, they have huge endowments. Yes. Like you could just Google it, and it will your jaw will drop. And how, like billions. Yeah. We're not talking about millions, billions of dollars, uh, in endowment. And these are all like. Kind of like reserve funds, right? Yeah. So that they don't make their money from athletics. Uh-huh. They, the Yale leagues, they don't. They're academic institutions. They don't. Uh, they don't yeah. make millions of dollars from TV revenue for sports. Uh, there's not very many people, you know, buying sports packages on their cable TV to watch the Yale football team, right? So they have canceled. This came out, oh I think, my. a few days ago. Harvard's endowment is $40.9 billion, There you go. According to the Google. Okay. Go to I, the Google. I, you told me it was there, and man. Yeah. Okay. I think I mentioned this in another episode. Wow. But someone had said <laughs> that Harvard could build a building of pure gold, and they would have the money to build it. Oh, wow. So, you know, like the toilet so, could be gold and all that. But so I, the Ivy League has, this wasn't all that surprising, because again, Ivy League schools, they like sports. They've been doing sports probably longer than anyone else because they've been around longer. And it's mostly for them just a matter of like um, school pride, pride and, spirit. And, you got and, it. Uh, yeah. Okay. And like the Harvard and Yale football game is a it's a rivalry there. Sure, yeah. Like, I think College Game Day, which is ESPN's like uh, like pretty popular like pregame college uh, football show on Saturday. They've done the Harvard Yale game before, so it's, it's so the, there, there's a, there's a little bit of like Boston. Uh, Connecticut pride uh, with that game, but you're not talking about like people in like Wisconsin aren't watching the Harvard right. football game, so they decided to cancel all sports um, for the rest of 2020, and there won't be any sports played until January 1, 2021. Um, and so that happened, uh, and so kind of saw that as like kind of the the big red flag that maybe potentially college football will not be happening because the Ivy League said this, but I, I see this as, again, a group of schools who, it's not like they make a ton of money off right. athletics Sports anyway, so it was kind of an easy, it was kind of an easy decision. Because that's very different than, say, a school like University of Tennessee, right. where I would assume a lot of money, a lot uh, of money. comes in. Right. You know, I, I know Alabama, Auburn, oh, yeah. there are plenty of schools that sports are funding yeah. the school. Yeah. Right? And you can look it up, um, but... I think I think the University of Texas has the largest athletic department when it when okay. it comes to profit, yeah. and, and it's in the hundreds of hundreds of millions of dollars right. that come in. 
through um, through merchandise. You know, they have they have a contract with Nike, so every shirt that's bought, mm-hmm. they get money for that. Uh, every 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 they get TV money. They get people come to the games. Yep. There's a lot of money that's made, and for an entire for because you're pretty much basically saying an entire calendar year, those athletic departments won't be making any money. Yeah, and that's a big deal. That's a big deal. Uh, and again, like we were we were talking about, that's not a one-year kind of like, oh, okay, we didn't make any money for the year. No, no, that, that ripples mm-hmm. five, ten years down the road. That means, you know, if, you, if we're thinking about like um, athletic, new dorms for college, new um, academic buildings, where does that money come from? Okay. A lot of it comes from the athletic department. Um, and so that will have imp- impact not only for the college and the campus, it'll have impact for the city itself yeah. that kind of um, are dependent on the on the programs to make their money. Um, and so, and it just happened yesterday, the Big Ten, which is Michigan, Michigan State, a lot of the, you know, IU, Purdue. Ohio State, right? Ohio State. Illinois. Uh-huh, Illinois. Uh, Nebraska is a part of that conference now. And yeah, the Big I, Ten doesn't have 10 Right now, no, right? it's like twelve. Is I think right? they have fourteen. Other fourteen because they have Rutgers and Maryland now. Those yeah. were two new additions okay. not too long ago. So that conference is pretty, pretty. And you're all the way to Nebraska, uh-huh. all the way up to Michigan, and then all the way over to Maryland. Right. I mean, and they have decided to only do conference games. Interesting. Okay. So that will limit the. I think that limits the schedule from twelve games to nine games. Okay. Um, and most of those non-conference games are mostly home games. That, so that's some revenue they won't get. But also, like again, this is a big deal is uh, for like ESPN especially, um, is that Ohio State was going to play a game against Oregon. Two very blue-chip, blue blue-blood programs were going to play this massive primetime game. Yeah. Well, now that the Big Ten has decided to only do conference, that game has not been canceled. Oh, wow. Yeah, that game has um, been canceled. Uh, MLB is playing 60 games in the regular season, 60 right? 60 games, right. And so uh, how many did you say this is going to limit the Big Ten uh, season to? I believe that, I believe that, I'm trying to think from the Tennessee schedule, I believe that, that um, I think that they go from 12 games to either nine or eight games. Mm-hmm. I believe it's nine. I believe you it's know, nine. And, uh, this year, in some ways I feel like this year, uh, it, it would be easy to call it like the lost year. Um, yeah, sure. And... And there are certain things that are, that are just not going to be done. Really, for some of this, though, like I can tell you, it is much easier for me to get my head around 60 games in a Major League Baseball season than whatever the number is. 162. So many, 162. That's yeah. just a ridiculous amount yeah. of long, slow baseball games. Yeah. To, a, to a guy like me who grew up liking baseball and then kind of got away from it and hasn't had any cause to get back. But a 60-game season, I'm okay with that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I know there's typically 82 games in an NBA season, is, yeah. and that's uh, shorter. How many? I'm not sure how many. Well, they, they they played a lot of the season, so I think that they okay. ended up playing. I forgot about like, that. They have already started. I don't. Season, I don't know the actual percentage. The they probably played a three quarters of the season, maybe. Okay, that may be too many. I think because they were into March, and the playoffs. I want to say start in like a June, maybe, or okay. May, or maybe May, May. So yeah, we're getting it later this year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, I think they're going to end up playing seventy games. I think oh, is what, okay. Because I, I think well, that's reasonable. I think what the NBA wanted to do was there's a lot of TV contracts that they. I think that everyone gets 
their money at 70 games. So I think that was really a really okay. push in to, yeah. to get those 70 games in. And so, um, yeah. And I think the NHL actually starts, I believe, in July or August as well. They're going to do a similar thing. I think that um, – I don't know if they're playing home and home or they're going traveling, but they're going to do a similar thing that the NBA is doing. They're going to play like a playoff. Now, you told me earlier that – is it – Harvard as well. They're cutting a lot of different sports. Stanford, Stanford, Stanford. Had, well, t- Stanford had thirty-eight mm-hmm. varsity sports, and they cut eleven of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are, you had to like read the list because it's kind of funny because you didn't know that was like an actually college sport. But it's like men and women's men and women's fencing. Mm-hmm. Now this is an interesting one. I don't even know the definitions. Lightweight and heavyweight rowing, uh, like sailing, one or both. But I don't. I think maybe one. Okay. Yeah, I don't know who got. And there. no offense to rowing people, but yeah. you know, I didn't know there was both, and I don't. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I think rowing, if you're doing it, sounds that could be competitive. But yeah. I don't know about watching it. Yeah. Right? Watch, yeah. yeah. A few program. other, a few other kind of Olympic sports, I think, is yes. entitled them. Yeah. They those programs have been, been dropped. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, squash. No, that what it was. Yeah. They, they had a, like a, a. It was in the cricket. Film. Squash. No. What's the, the, what's the horse? What's the horse game oh. with the sticks? Oh man, we're so terrible. Yeah, uh, I can't remember. Not polo. Is it polo? Maybe. It's simply one of the. I think it was one of those sports <laughs> that they have dropped, um, and so so yeah. I, I I mean, and that's also going to happen if major major colleges. You're talking like Michigan, Penn State, uh, Tennessee. If they do not have football, there will be cuts from their athletic department. Yeah. You're going to lose. Yeah. Women's soccer, potentially. Because uh, a lot of these sports, like these, do not make any money. They don't make any profit. Right. The reason why they exist is because of football. Mm-hmm. Football makes so much money that students, actually girls who play soccer and softball, get scholarships mm-hmm. to play sure. sports because of football. Sure. And I think people may not know this, but if you don't have football, you do not have scholarships to other sports. Yeah. And that's just the that's just the reality. And so I think I don't know where I understand where colleges are. They're students. Uh, I understand that we have this health issue. We have this pandemic, um, I, and I get all these different factors. Um, but there's a there's a money issue that you can't just ignore. Mm-hmm. And I think. I think they have to figure it out as best they can, and I know that a lot of uh, a lot of I think most big time football programs student players have already come back to campus. There has been some teams that have had some COVID cases. They were asystematic, um, but some like Tennessee hasn't had any yet. Yeah, that doesn't mean that will that they'll always exist. Notre Dame, I think, also doesn't have any. So. I think there's going to be a change every week on this, you know? And I think that's what's making this difficult is you can make plans now and it may get ruined next week, but then it may get better the week after. I think if you look at the data now, cases are up in some areas, but deaths are down. Yeah. And so most of the people getting COVID now, right now are young. It's mostly asystematic. Um, and, you know, it's kind of where we are. Right, and... And I do think, you know, I know they're not putting out um, numbers. This is the time when we would yeah. shut down our team completely. Or uh, I, I would think on your team you would be able to tell if multiple people, you know, say if five people come down with it before you know anything, and then 
15 people, you're going to be able to see that this is spreading too quickly. And, yeah. and I could see, maybe yeah. maybe in one of these situations, a team just has to say, look, we have to go and quarantine our whole team for a couple of weeks, and so we yeah. forfeit the games that we have, and we just have to do what we can do. Yeah. And again, health is an issue in every season, and so it would be a dramatic issue in, yeah. in that situation, and, and it is what it is. I mean... Uh, these players, like you said, are paid quite a bit to do what they do, and, and this is a decision that, that they are making. I, I think that it, I've read here and there about players who you know, don't want to play or don't want to play under certain conditions, and I think that's their right. But again, uh, they're paid quite a bit to yeah. do what they do, and so if they don't want to do it for this season, then they're within their rights to do that. Right. You know? Yeah, and I don't know how teams will be impact that. I think <clears throat> you said it's kind of a lost year. I think that's probably how people will – View that I think football, football, and especially you know it's being a sport with a lot of players on a team. Maybe you know if you have a few players that get it and has to be quarantined, they can still play because they have enough players on the roster. I don't know if there's a way to protect players if there's, um, you know, I know in cold weather games they're able to wear like face like face coverings. Maybe they can cover their mouths and right. things like that, and they wear gloves. Everyone wears gloves. When they play, they have a face guard over the. A lot of players put like a like a glass, kind of a plastic yeah. shield over their eyes, um, and so I think there's ways that there just has to people need to be creative and sure. think through this. And obviously, they're not paying us to do this uh, and coming up with these ideas. But they, you know, this is you know, the one thing about football, especially, is that they've had a lot of time to figure this out. Right? Mm-hmm. They've had months and months and months and months to figure this out, and I think. Right. You know, the one thing I think that, that we haven't even talked about yet, and it has been a part of the conversation, is should fans be able to watch it at some point? Live there. Right, yeah. Live. Uh, I know that Indiana, as a part of their kind of steps, that was like step five, I think, being able to go to a concert or something like this. And I know that Indiana has decided not to move up to step five, right? right. We've taken step four. Quite a few other states. The right. Cases have been rising, so they slowed that, I believe. Um, and so, you know, I know that at Tennessee, they are preparing to have fans at the game. Okay. But that doesn't mean they're actually going to have fans at the game. They're preparing to right. have fans sure. at the yeah. game. Um, and I'll, and I'll, I'll say this publicly. I would go to a football game today. I would wear a mask, uh, realizing most likely they'll have, like, some social distance, most likely, Right. right? Um, and I would have no problem taking my family to a right. game. Um, and now that made me make me different than other people. Um, and but that's fine. But I would I would go to a game. And um, and uh, and that's just I guess that's just again personal decisions and things like that. And and I hope fans can go to games. Yeah. At some point this year. I mean, I'm a again I'm a big Tennessee football fan. I go to a game every year. And uh, I went to two games last year. <laughs> and uh, I would love to go to a game this year, right? Um, and I hope that happens. Right. So, you know, and on this, I hope looking back on this year that we see at least a couple of um, good activities that were different that we do take away from this. I mean, for us, uh, for instance, uh, we have continued to run, get together with the guys yeah. that you and I run with. And, and that's been good, but I, I hope that um, we, obviously since we've had more time with our families, maybe we pick up family walks as a thing that we right. do. There are uh, this is a life change. This yes. is, we are, have been forced into a life change. None of us like to be forced into a life mm-hmm. change, um, but it, it will be a lost uh, year certainly in some ways because we have not been able to do all the things that we mm-hmm. normally do. But I, I do think we are able to do some different activities. Uh, 
took my family to the park uh, the other day and ran the boys out. I mean, yeah. and, and and there are things that you can do together. It's just that um, this forces us to change our routine and, yep. and try some things. And so I, I hope that we do look back on this because I can remember, especially in ministry, you talk about, you know, boy, if there, if there were any way we could really uh, drive families to spend time together. Right. And, and we've had that. It's not been under the circumstances that we would have wanted, but, sure. um, you know, even this, if, if we can't go to games, then maybe we can watch them together at home, and, and right. there are things sure. that we can do. We still yeah. have absolutely a lot of good things we still have, and, uh, and I think some things that uh, we might not think about that we have access uh, to, and so... Yeah, and, 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 and this is going to... Again, you, you, your your dad is probably... I don't know if your dad's a big sports guy. He is. Okay, he is. But that's De- not a, Detroit that, everything. But that's not, a part, that's not a part of your relationship. Right. Not right. much. I was never much of a sports right. guy. Yeah. For me, this is going to sound... This is why I'd be... For those who... Is it for dads or for sons, this may make a lot of sense to you. But for me and my brother, and even my sister is a part of this as well. I, I won't leave my sister out. But for us and for my dad, we talk a lot about sports. Mm. College football. My yeah. dad's my dad and my mom, and my brother are big Arkansas fans. Okay, and there's a history of, of but my my brother went to the Naval Academy, so we'll talk Naval Navy football too. Navy yeah, sure. is pretty good at football, and we'll talk about Navy football. And my my of course my grandfather, who you've met, is all Navy, right? Yeah, all the oh, yeah. time. And yeah, so he yeah. wants to talk about Navy football, and so we'll we'll talk about football. And I love you know we'll talk about Tennessee, we'll talk about recruiting, we'll talk about what's going on in football and sports, and that's just like a. A common conversation, yeah, yeah, yeah. and people are like, well, you should talk about deeper things. For for the, for people who work, my brother's in the Navy. My dad works for uh, for FedEx and is at upper management. And for me, he's bad. What sometimes that's all you want to talk about is sure, just yeah. football, something simple, that's something right. that if we all have opinions about, yeah, and we're not right. going to get a fight about it. Yeah, you're not going to fight about it. You're just going to talk about it right. and and enjoy it for what it is. You don't get that. With movies, TV, you yeah. don't get that with yeah. Republican and Democratic politics. Right. There's just, there's nothing, you don't get that the way American yeah. males especially, and I think females as well, get with sports. I think I heard a statistic I read a while back. It said 90-something percent of men, I think it was like 95% of men watch sports or are involved in sports in some way. They enjoy it. They like it. Or maybe they go to a sporting event in a year. So the, and women was like ninety two percent. So men and women, mm-hmm. high majority of them, watch sports, yep. and and so that's what and I think that is a big issue right now with some of the unity issues in our country. It's like there's just nothing to bring anybody together. Yeah, and I've thought about this. I mean, you know, for instance, when I was a kid, um, like like a lot of other people, uh, my dad was in a softball league. Oh yeah, and I can remember. Um, Getting in the car, I, I was a kid. I didn't have any idea what we were doing, but we went up to Danville, Illinois, and um, names that I had never heard of before. But you know, we're going to Kaskaskia, and we're going, and and this was kind of playoffs for just this softball league. Sure. And uh, and you know, recently uh, our association of Baptist churches, we uh, we don't have the softball league this year, and that was an old. These things seem to be at their height in the '80s, and it's. I think in part this has happened because of the proliferation of things that people can be into. Oh, yeah, so sure, many different sure. kinds of entertainment yeah. now. Right. But um, I'm, it makes me sad 
that these things are gone, yeah. even though I'm not that much of a softball guy. I didn't. I mean, the sports that I was into, we were both into running yeah. in, in high school, and the, yeah. a lot of the sports that I was into were, for whatever reason, much more individualistic, wrestling and uh, running and these sorts of things. Um, but I love the idea of people getting together and playing yeah. ball sports, yeah. like softball and volleyball and and um, it's it's good for people. And, and, I mean, a lot of what it is to be human is, is text and subtext. It's a lot about you're getting to know someone when you talk sports with them. You it's are. It's not just about the text. It's about the subtext and what you pick up That's right. on somebody. Because I, I, I'm not that into talking sports, but I love the passion that people have. Yeah, sure. And the things. I'm always amazed at the things people notice. Yeah. You know, they'll talk about, oh, that guy, he's got a faster swing than anybody yeah. in the major leagues. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, I think that never. And you, 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 observe, you observe about people, especially around here, but definitely like growing up in Tennessee and stuff, is that people, what are people wearing? They wear their mm-hmm. sports teams. Mm-hmm. Like they wear a hat. We have a guy in our church, you know, Josh Strout. Dude's always wearing a hat yeah. from a sports team that he likes. Yeah. Yeah. So you, there's, we, we, we wear, we, we identify yeah. with our sports team. We have it in our car. So there's a common, there's a common interest that when people interact with each other that they don't know. If you're if you're a stranger, but there's someone that has their sports team, there's a common inch. Oh, dude, you like the Cardinals? Yeah. Did you catch the game last night? You yep. may be strangers, sure. but now you define you found a common interest. Yep. You didn't talk politics. You didn't bring up. Do you believe we should wear masks or not? Right. Do you think um, Do you think we should knock down monuments? Things like that. Sure. That stuff doesn't get brought in the conversation. It's simply, oh, dude, did you catch the game last night? You know, did you watch the last inning or whatever the 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 sports team is? And I think. I think that is a, a, a huge unifier yep. for, especially for men and especially for Americans. And I think, I think they're worth, I think these sports are worth fighting for. Sure. Uh, and I don't think they should be simply dismissed as, well, we could not have them for a year. I think it'll be okay. I just, I think, I think people who are stating that don't understand the bigger sub, 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 sub issues that come out of sports. Yeah. One of the things that uh, it still exists, I think it's not maybe as strong as it was uh, when I was a kid, is that, um, so for instance, my dad is a Detroit everything fan, Detroit Tigers, Detroit Lions, um, Red and he grew up uh, outside of Detroit, and so it's very understandable because sports used to be very much uh, regional. You yes. were a sports fan of a certain area because you were from there, and that that I have a great deal of respect for. It ties back to something that I think is lost on a lot of people now is rootedness. We all should know our roots. We should know our family and, and the uh, both the glories of our family and be open and honest about the failures of our family because they're a part of us too. Right. And sports tie that in because they yes. have a background. They have, yes. you know, and I think more so it used to be that... Um, Say, for instance, uh, if you're a sports team from the Midwest, you've got hard work. You yeah. may be not the most skilled people, but Very you have so. this work ethic. Yeah. And that the values of that region yeah. uh, tie in. And yeah. that's that's the kind of stuff that really makes people bristle up for their team. It gets, it gets deeper. You, you bring up a good point. The Midwest and what they consider their sports teams is different than, like, the West Coast. Mm-hmm. More flashy, mm-hmm. more fast-paced, right? You think of the Lakers. Uh, there was an article way back when that... It goes with MLS. With, goes with soccer. Each country in the World Cup mm. has a team that is identified with its people. The German soccer team sure. is like a machine, yeah. very much like their engineering right. organized yeah. society. The Brazilians 
totally different soccer. Yeah. It is it is it is creative. Yeah, it is not organized. Yeah. It, it needs to be uh, there's a lot more ind- individuality. That's cool. Yeah. And they said that one of the issues with the United States as a soccer country is that because we have so many different nations in our country, yes. we don't have one defined style. Right. And that's why the United States has struggled with soccer is n- not because we don't have talent. Is because the country doesn't have defined style, and that is like and, so wow, interesting. And, isn't yeah, it? that's such a um, such a parable about what it is to be American. Yep. Uh, how many of us uh, don't know uh, the meaning of our name yeah. or uh, what our heritage is? Mm-hmm. Even though there are parts of it, I, I mean, I, I have been fascinated by the question of what if I could meet. You know, ancestors five, six generations back, uh, and I mean, who knows? The kingdom of heaven, you might one day meet some of yeah. these people. But um, what would I have in common? Even though you know my family history, I mean, there's uh, one of my grandparents was uh, abandoned by an alcoholic father, so there's no connection there. And then uh, on on my mother's side, there's a, a story of a, a grandparent who. Uh, just, just utter depression and, and poverty, and, mm-hmm. and and killed himself, and you know left his family just to fend for themselves. And there's just a lot of breaks. But what you lose in that is you don't know anything then about what what was going on back there. What is the heritage? Uh, again, the glories and the sorrows and the struggles, and, and you know some of these things. Um, but this is this is this rootlessness is I think a big problem uh, in in the, how people today feel like they don't know they are and well that's because you you have to accept who you are and where you've come from and and i think sports are just a great example of how you can accept it and then make the most of what you have you're not anybody else you're not the lakers you know if you if you're the celtics uh, but you can be the celtics you know and uh and, and your sports team, I, I do like that. Uh, I think there's so much of, of that. There's so much identity that comes through sports when mm-hmm. people say, well, who, who's your team? Oh, man, I'm a, I'm a Yankees fan. Why, man? Because my dad liked the Yankees, mm-hmm. and, and he used to live up in yep. New York, and we used to watch Yankee games together. And it's like, what's your team? Man, my team's Tennessee. Why? Because I went to school there. My aunt and uncle went to school there. And like, But where do you live now? I live in Indiana. So how, how tough is it to be a Tennessee fan? Like, man... I'm you if you if you see me you'll know like I have Tennessee pride yeah, all yeah, over me yeah, right yeah. and that's because like in this even though I live in Indiana because of work I don't have family here but right. my identity is stuck in Tennessee sure, right sure. and that's that will never go away even if I never live there again yeah. I'll always consider myself somewhat of a Tennessean because I grew up there yeah. and that's where I went to school right and that's who I root for right that's just kind of yeah and I used to the Tennessee mug right there that's yeah. just kind of where and our children. When we go down to Tennessee, they go, oh, we're in Tennessee. It's kind of like, oh, they yeah. know that as a celebratory thing because they, we have so much pride. And I think sports is kind of where that pride is put on display. Sure. And I don't think that's a bad thing. No. No. And I think that's why my, my argument here is while I understand safety and I think we always should be safe and I think we should try to be as safe as possible and knowing that that's, you're not going to be perfect, mm-hmm. right? And, but I think it's worth, I think it's worth the effort. Um, and sure, I think what the Ivy League did, I don't think it's brave, I guess is my, is my argument. I don't think it's brave. I think it, it was a decision they made, and I think it was somewhat of an easy decision for them, but that decision for the Southeastern Conference schools will be heartbreaking for a lot of people, yeah. and I think a lot of the other part of the world country may not understand that. They may sure. think those crazy Alabamans and their football mm-hmm. get a life, and, and they may say that. But for people in that part of the country and for the Midwest, 
it means a lot. Yeah. It means a and, lot. Yes. And, and so it, and I think that's just important. It means a lot because of exactly what we've been yeah. talking about. Not if because it's just ever, a sport. If, yeah. If yeah. you have ever talked to somebody uh, from Georgia, the pride in the football team yeah. is tied to the pride in their family yep. and the pride in the land, not in the land in a sense of, um, it's not about the dirt. It's about it's the fact that this is where well, yeah. they and their family yeah. uh, have have grown up and they are tied right. to it. They, they, and we all are. We all are from somewhere yeah. and it is affected. And, and and in a sense, you were planted there and you grew there wherever you've ended up. And it's it's good for you. Um, I, yeah. I was outside um, of my house uh, just a couple of hours ago uh, and one of my boys was taking a bike ride with my wife and a couple of little boys rolled up my, my driveway. And uh, it's great having little boys because these my little boy and these two little boys immediately just started playing. They're taking each other's hats off and trading, you know. And um, and so their mom uh, came up, and she's actually in town because she had to get out of New York City. And, and her husband grew up just five houses down from where I live. And um, so she's staying with our in-laws, and, and their two little boys are there. And, and so this couple has been working uh, uh, through the Internet, uh, living here for the last couple of months. And it was great to talk to her about how different it is here first, obviously yeah. from New York City. But, um, you know, I, I said, so your husband's from here. She said, yeah, oh yeah, went to Harrison, grew up right down the street. And I said, so have you gotten to know and understand him more since you've lived here? She said she'd always lived in New York City, and I can't imagine uh, how different. And she said, oh yes, you know, I, we've been in town here for Christmas, but to live here for a few months and to see pace of life, what it's like to have space. Yeah. Um, and, and it was neat to hear, I mean, she was a testament to it. Your place of birth, where you grow up, forms you. I mean, think about how much time we spend in our high school. Uh, how much time, I mean, how much time I spent riding a four-wheeler through the woods in Southern Illinois, and that affected me. And uh, we can't just leave these things behind. And even if we don't talk about them, they still make us who we yeah. are. Yeah, and I think for people who are, as you say, kind of rootless, mm-hmm. and, and they don't understand the importance of people and place and where you come from, as if like, well, that's kind of a bygone day, and now we're all transient, we're all global, and therefore, you know, we're, everyone's from nowhere, in a sense, mm-hmm. right? And that's not good. No. It's not good. And I think... Sports is kind of this, this, for people who understand this idea of being a, from a place and being a part of a people and community, sports are a part of that community and it's a major part of that community. For those who go, well, you know, sports, whatever, but, you know, it's, it's you know, we're all part of the global community and, and this is the best thing for the global community. Mm-hmm. I think it's missing the local sure. community identity and I think they're not, they're not getting it. it therefore, it's kind of like we talked about weeks ago with with uh, the righteous mind, people are just kind of talking over each other yeah. and yeah. not catching where, where where people's intentions are and why it's connected to their reason. Yeah. The reason why I'm arguing that they should play football is because of an uh, an intention there and a and a, and, a, and, a, and an understanding of the identity and the, the the community, and that's kind of bringing in the rationality. Others who just like ah, it's just sports and the, who cares? Yeah. I think there's just been uh, talking about layers of identity. Uh, yeah. You can have layers of identity, and and I, to me, if you have uh, your layers of identity and you're open about them, you stand a much better chance of relating to someone think so. uh, than if you just try to behave as if, hey, if we just act like 
there's there's this main thing that we're part of a global community. Well, listen, I mean, so so one odd and fascinating thing about this is that um, so I'm into esports, right? Which what they call it. it's professional video games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it is it is wild to see interaction uh, like somebody who's German, somebody who's from South Korea, uh, somebody who is, for, say, from Croatia, uh, somebody who's British, and, and and you'll see, you know, a caster from America and a yeah. caster from Brazil, and all of these cultural conditions are there and present. Mm. And I mean, like, if you're German, you generally are not getting around this basic German attitude of logic and efficiency, yeah. and I mean, the, I'm, I'm thinking of the the, uh, the main kind of German caster and speaker right now, and he, he has that. Yes, he has more than that, and it's it's wonderful to see his own personality kind of overlaid with the German background, yes. and, and then what's great about this, and it is very comparable to sports in this way, is that the people are able to relate because they're around a common table, which is whatever the activity that they're doing. Right. And it, it is great to see what that interaction can become because they are engaged in doing the same thing, but they can do it in a lot of different ways because yeah. of their background, because yeah. of what they've experienced in their life. So uh, it is similar in that way. And incidentally, uh, esports has, has had uh, closures too because a lot of this stuff is done in person. Yeah. So they've had to adjust and they, they're not doing the same events uh, they can't they do some of the big mass, events. There's a mass event, yeah. Yeah, they have huge events. I mean, yeah. there are stadiums in California yeah, that are right built, here. built for this, uh, just like, uh, but they can't do those, so most of it is online right now. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, everything is slowing down, but, you know, I, I, I think it is reasonable to do uh, these sports and to let people watch on TV. I mean, even TV itself is an innovation of the last yeah. hundred years that enables us yeah. to even have this be possible. Um, and, and, you know, these guys that peak physical condition, uh, it's going to be hard to bring them down. They're, so. they're very healthy. Yeah, uh, very, very healthy. So, yeah. Um, I don't know if we have time to talk about the last thing. I do think this is an interesting topic. Uh, I don't know if you want to wait to, to next week to talk about oh, I won't be here next week, but I didn't know if you wanted to, to run through this. Well, or... let's, let's touch on this. There, okay. There's another article you sent called Americans Are Living in an Alternate History. And this was The Atlantic, I believe, yeah. Yes, in yeah. The Atlantic by Megan Garber. And she talks about this movie, Sliding Doors, where... Uh, Which Gwyneth, I've never seen. I know I've never seen it. either. I think it's uh, Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah, Gwyneth Paltrow. Ben Affleck, maybe. And, and the movie yeah. is about how um, she she catches a train, she gets home, and she finds her husband cheating on her. And the movie examines this idea that, okay, in the next, like, uh, it's almost like Groundhog Day, except for right. it goes a little differently. She doesn't catch the train, so she never goes home. Right. And she lives in this blissful ignorance. Right. And the, Which it's funny because this is a device to bring us into the story because she says, this is not a good movie. Uh, yeah, I didn't know much. I, I've heard of it, but I don't, didn't know anyone who actually watched it. Right. And yeah. It is the like early 90s uh, um, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow movie, right? right. Yeah. Um, so she uses this as a device just to think about uh, would would we have been a lot better off if someone else had been at the helm of the country for the last a few years, especially for the last few months as right. the pandemic? If Hillary went at one in twenty sixteen, yeah. And it was interesting. I read this article uh, after watching. So I do like I do like Quentin Tarantino movies. Uh, I'm I'm not a super fan, I wouldn't say, but I do enjoy some of his movies. And he is known, he has done this in, in two of his movies, 
is create an alternate history. Um, one of his movies, uh, I won't mention the name, uh, but it's about World War II yeah. with uh, Brad Pitt. And in this particular movie, Hitler is 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 killed in kind of this this bombing by U.S. soldiers, and uh, the U.S. Uh, U.S. kind of has this this end of the war by negotiating with this this German officer. So instead of Hitler committing suicide, uh, the war ended, I think, actually before France was even liberated. Oh, okay. So even before D-Day. Mm-hmm. That's how the war ended. Um, and then in his newest movie, Once Upon a Time in, in, in Hollywood, mm-hmm. which is a, a very enjoyable movie if you've ever seen it, uh, but the uh, Charles Manson murders of Sarah Tate, uh, Sharon Tate didn't happen. Okay. There's an alternate history where they basically those those individuals that went to her house when Roman Polanski when they were they were, yep. they were married she was pregnant when they went before going to they didn't go to her house they went to this fictional character in this movie's house instead mm-hmm. and they get killed mm-hmm. you know and uh, not the people in the house but they get killed like the actual Manson crew and so it's like an alternate history what mm-hmm. if Sharon Tate hadn't to die what if what if the World War Two had happened where Hitler goes to a, a movie of a German movie, and there's a basically like a like a bomb that goes off, and he he dies there. So this alternate history stuff kind of comes in current Quentin Tarantino movies. And then I saw this article; it made me think of that, and I thought it was interesting. All right, what if Hillary would have won in 2016? Wouldn't you think be different? Right. Would, what going on right now? Would we be in a better situation? I think she makes that argument, right? Yeah, and so she basically posits that uh, Hillary Clinton would have. Uh, managed this much better, might have called for a, a mandated uh, call to masks earlier on. And, and you know, uh, and, and, and the funny trade-off that she kind of proposes is uh, that if Donald Trump had lost, he would have then doubled down on uh, television. and Right, and, 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 and Trump that, TV was and, right. He was going to create that Trump news, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He would have basically gained cultural power, right. As Hillary Clinton gained political power, and you know, who knows? This is the funny thing sure, about sure. all of this. And one thing that's very strange, and I especially think that is um, dangerous as a uh, liberal writer, which she seems to be, is wouldn't it have been? She seems to just propose this idea that wouldn't it have been great if we had a mandatory call to masks that then obviously solved all the problems? And there have been many deaths that I hope, yeah, I hope would have been. Uh, I, I wish that could have happened. That the deaths that happened didn't. Um, but she has this very rosy picture that if, if uh, Hillary Clinton president had called for everyone to wear a mask, that everybody would have happily done it. And then yeah. we would have not had any of the right. problems. It's like, wow, you, uh, I, I think there would have been a string of whole other problems right. uh, if, if, if that had happened, especially if you have a Donald Trump running a TV service to undermine. Right, uh, right. There are already people who are not on board right. uh, with these ideas. Because there's plenty of, um, I read recently in North Carolina, there are many sheriffs, because I think in North Carolina they have proposed kind of mandatory masks, and sheriffs will enforce it. Mm. So, right. <laughs> well, and that's the, the whole thing is enforcing this stuff is, uh, it, it requires people to do it. Right. And how are you going to keep track of uh, all these infractions of the law? Uh, it requires what we don't have right now, which is a populace that is in support of their leader, and no matter who's in power, we're not looking to have that for quite a long time. Right. Uh, but long story short, so she, you know, she hopes that a President Hillary Clinton would have managed this uh, better, and uh, I think Hillary Clinton is a very intelligent person. Yeah, very might have done yeah, a great sure. job managing uh, this very difficult thing to manage. Um, 
but she didn't really manage the Benghazi thing all that well, so yeah. <laughs> so when she was Secretary of State, so you know, there's a lot of assumptions. Right. Assumptions is that she would have handled it better. There are, and so but there are. She's never had experience managing a pandemic. Yeah, no, not too many no people one, have. No one really uh, has. So. It, it seems to be pretty difficult. Yeah, um, and I'm not trying to defend Trump here. I'm just saying, like, I think anyone in that situation, you know, you don't exactly know how they would have handled right. it. Right, and, um, and and man, is it? I, I, there are some guts on somebody who is going to armchair quarterback. Uh, yeah, managing a pandemic. I mean, yeah. it's just like, look, this is pretty challenging. Oh, there's plenty of people that are willing to fill that role. Oh, sure, yeah. <laughs> um, but that's uh, foolish. Uh, but yeah, but a lot of people will do it. And, and you know, uh, I I I do uh, think that this this is a hard year. Uh, we will certainly, I, I hope, for the rest of our lives, look back on yep. this year and go, man, this is, this is awful. I know if anyone who's lost a family member because of this, it's horrible. Yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, this absolutely. Is, this is hard. Uh, it, is, it is a difficult period that we are going through, um, and so we all are trying to manage it as best that we can. Uh, she says this. I thought this was a poignant quote. To be an American in this moment is often to be beset with a sense of ambient fragility. Not just because life itself is fragile, but also because the systems we navigate keep us in a state of constant precarity. And it, and it feels tenuous. It feels uh, like we don't know where a lot of things are going and that, um, you know, with the, the things that we're seeing right now, a lot of unrest in, mm-hmm. in American cities, yeah. we, we may see, uh, in, especially in the short term, fewer people living in cities uh, yeah. for the first time. I think that's going to happen, yeah. Um, and and so there there are changes. This this is a stressful time. Uh, we need other people. We have to have people who are encouraging uh, to us. Uh, and it is a very challenging time. Uh, so we want to do our best. We want to do our best at every level with it. Mm. You know. And I think this is you know, I think you're right on everything you said. And I think it's important for for Christians and the church to to kind of bring in that steady consistency of, you know, of worship on Sunday, yep. um, working and caring for your family during the week, um, caring for those in your neighborhood, caring for those, um, you know, in your kind of circle of influence, people in your church. Um, and, and that, like, I understand that. I, I, I love the terminology um, of the ordinary Christian life. And people don't like that word, ordinary, but oh, it's yeah. such a powerful word. Yeah. And I think the Bible is really presenting this, this ordinary, quiet life of, of you know, living under God's sovereignty and, 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 and realizing that God is, is, is going to provide and he hears the prayers of his people. And the church is to regularly meet together, regularly come around the apostles' teaching to to break bread together and celebrate the Lord's Supper together, to worship Him, um, to care for one another, and to do that regularly every week, regardless right. if there's a COVID going on or there's a pandemic going on. That's what we do. And I think the world, as it's in constant flux and chaos, you know, maybe the world can, can look at the church and go, well, why is it so important to you all to meet every Sunday? And you're like, well... This is something we do. No, that's not the answer. Right. <laughs> you know, that's not the answer. Um, the answer is, is like, no, this is, we believe that the church is the embassy of heaven on earth, yeah. you know, and when yeah. we gather together, we're in the presence of God. Yeah. Why would we want to do that? Why would we not want to do that? Right. Why would we not want to do that every week? 
We think this is so important, and regardless of what is happening in the world, whatever, regardless of what hostility is happening, that's what we do. Yes. And I think that's important for people to hear. Absolutely. Right. I mean, uh, you talk about ordinary, it reminds me of that uh, phrase that reformers use, the ordinary means. We oh, yeah. That yeah. We gather together that even though it seems ordinary for, yeah. for Christians to meet, that yeah. that is a holy gathering where God shows up among us, yeah. that we, uh, we take his life into ourselves that we are found in him and that that changes us um and and even some of these innovations that we've seen in the church in the last 40 years i I don't think that they have uh innovated over uh the ordinary means things like uh, worship celebration uh look there are people who are mourning and they might walk in not looking for a celebration some week Uh, we gather to take care of each other right and uh, a celebration means hey everybody's doing great yeah um and and so some some element of your service so we ought to consider in our services that this is for people who are who are uh, on their highest high you know maybe somebody who who is uh, happy about their newest baby or uh who you know has just graduated high school and is looking forward yeah. to their life but they're also for people who are at their lowest low you right. know as, uh, a widow who, right. who lost her husband of 60 years and uh, a person who you know lost a child or or is just empty it's just experience a period our services are for both of those people and that we, right. we gather in this rhythm and that, so that we can all be a part of the same thing every week. And it's not at all, believe me, I'm a person who loves celebration, but sure. our, our gatherings are, are, are more than that. Mm-hmm. And they, they are uh, for, for connection. They are for communion uh, with Christ and each other. And, and so we should always keep that in mind um, mm-hmm. uh, because we need that, mm-hmm. uh, that. That is more obvious right now than I think it has been in a long time. Yeah, it's a, this is an interesting article about a trinity. It's always fun to think about and what if, what if, what if, and and uh, but I, you know, we God is in control yep. regardless if Hillary would have won or Trump. And and I think Christians need to realize that going into twenty twenty, you know, if Biden wins the election, that's not doomsday. God can somehow fall off the throne. Um, if if Trump wins and. And you're kind of an anti-Trumper, and, and that doesn't mean God fell off the throne either. You know, like God is in control, and right. God. Here's the thing, God. This is the best possible world. Why? Because God's in control, not well, by what happens. You know, here on earth. If right? you are putting your hope in politics, either way, yeah, there is hope beyond politics. Very much uh, so. You know, because honestly. Um, even though Kanye West apparently is in the selection yeah, yeah. as of this week, look, whatever happens, uh, there are more things to hope in than any president, any political system. Yeah. Uh, Jesus uh, and his church will outlive every political system. That's right. And so there's much to look forward to there and, and already has, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. these, this political system we're a part of yeah. has not been around that long. No. We, we have not yet achieved, I think, a third of it, a length of Rome. So. It has an expiration date. That's right. So it's, all, it's all good. It's uh, all good. It might be scary. It's, it, it might be worse than we thought, but yeah. it'll be all right. Yeah. So... Oh, uh, thanks for talking about sports. Hey, glad to I do appreciated it. It's very it. much part of what I've been reading and talking about. And uh, uh, so, yeah, this is I think this is it. We're done. With what we have, and I have continued to forget the, the ending tagline oh. that you have creatively come up with. And I think it's because I've never said it. Okay. And I think that's why I don't. I don't remember. Are you it. gonna try? Well, I don't remember what it is. <laughs> Just come up with something on the spot. All right. Yeah. We'll see you all in the future. See you all in the future. <laughs> see you later.